0: Allergy season is just around the corner, and Brio, the innovative air purifier, can help. Brio quickly removes common allergens, including pollen and pet dander, and deep cleans without filter clogging, so it's more effective than HEPA. Brio's long-life filters save you money, too. Breathe easy this spring with Brio, the advanced air purifier that's ideal for every room in your home. And get 15% off Brio using code IHEART at BrioAirPurifier.com. That's code IHEART at B-R-I-O AirPurifier.com.
1: Murder Diaries patrons heard this episode first. That's because patrons get episodes one day early in addition to patron-only episodes every month. They also get priority when requesting episodes and a shout out. For this episode, we'd like to thank Anna and Christina. If you'd like to support the show, one of the best ways is joining our Patreon. The link is in our show notes and it's also in our Instagram bio. And if we get to 500 patrons, we're adding a second patron-only episode.
2: Hey, I'm Paige.
1: And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF.
2: You know, like any normal millennial using an
1: app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode.
2: In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. The American Psychological Association accounts that Quote, one in three teens and young adults is the victim of physical, verbal, emotional, or sexual abuse by a dating partner. End quote. National studies also show that one in 10 high school students has been physically hurt by a boyfriend or girlfriend. For Lauren Astley and her loved ones, this became all too real in July of 2011. It was her senior year. The world was at Lauren and her boyfriend's fingertips. They were 18, college bound. After three years together, before their graduation, Lauren felt it was time to end the relationship. After that, everything changed for the worse. This is her story. You still think it's
0: in my head, but I'm walking with the dead.
2: Lauren Astley was born April 1st, 1993, to her parents, who were two educators, Mary and Malcolm. They divorced in 2006, and Lauren spent her time between the two. She was raised as an only child in Wayland, Massachusetts. Wayland is a suburb of Boston, and it's about 30 minutes outside of the city. This small New England town is home to Wayland Town Beach, which sits alongside Lake Cochituate, and it's also home to Dudley Pond, where locals enjoy swimming, boating, and fishing. The About section of Wayland's website says, quote, Wayland is a quiet, peaceful community located in the Metro West area of Massachusetts. The town takes great pride in their public school system, local history, and preservation of natural resources. Founded in 1638, Wayland is ranked by Niche.com as the number one best place to raise a family in Massachusetts and number six for the same in the U.S., Wayland is also ranked among the best places to live in Massachusetts, sitting at number four and number 45 overall in the U.S. According to the U.S. Census of 2020, Wayland was home to 13,943 people. The town boasts an overall median income of $121,000, so it's an affluent town as well. All in all, it's clearly a quintessential small, upper-middle-class New England town. Now that we've talked about where she was from, let's talk a little bit about Lauren. She's described by her friend Chloe as, quote, a very sparkly, bubbly, sassy girl, end quote. Lauren's mom tells that'slife.com.au that Lauren was, quote, beautiful, intelligent, loving. According to Boston.com, Lauren's dad recalls her as, quote, a popular teenager, a singer, an athlete, an aspiring fashion designer, and a passionate volunteer who made three trips to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Back to Lauren's mom, she told 48 Hours that Lauren was, quote, always laughing, always moving. And of course, that's true. Lauren enjoyed playing soccer and tennis growing up and was, quote, very strong, end quote, when it came to her athletic abilities. Another adorable and possibly my favorite description of Lauren is, quote, tiny, end quote, from her mom. And her mom continues to explain that Lauren stood
1: at five feet tall. There's a quote from Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream that comes to mind when I think of Lauren. Though she be but little, she is fierce. I love that quote so much, and it's perfect for Lauren.
0: You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton?
2: Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts?
0: AI, RPAs, data science? Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. I'd like you to get some training. Look at this Management Concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses for Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466.
2: Lauren's friends continued to talk about her and describe her for 48 hours. Her friend Chloe tells us that Lauren, quote, definitely stood out in a crowd. While her friend Hannah told 48 Hours that Lauren, quote, had a lot of personality and she was incredibly honest, end quote. Hannah went on even further to describe that Lauren was, quote, a really good friend. If she was helping you with a problem, she'd put 100% into it. Something I found so meaningful about this episode of 48 Hours and their coverage of Lauren's case is that her large group of girlfriends sat there continuing to reminisce and describe their friend that they missed so much. During this portion of the episode, her friend Genevieve says that Lauren was, quote, a trendsetter. She was just a very big presence, end quote. Genevieve goes on further saying that Lauren was, quote, so happy about things and she was just so much fun to be around. It's so clear in this moment of the episode how much her friends loved her and how important Lauren's presence was in their friend group. Lauren, of course, made these amazing friends through her time in school in Wayland, Massachusetts. In the fall semester of 2007, Lauren and those friends began attending Wayland High School as part of the class of 2011, While attending, Lauren was a pretty active student, and that should come at no surprise. She was involved in athletics as part of the tennis team and even made captain at one point. She also participated in Wayland High School's female a cappella group called The Muses. Lauren did so well in this a cappella group that she also earned some solos, and we're going to play one of those at the end of this episode, so stay tuned to hear Lauren's beautiful voice. And also, I just love so much that she was in an a cappella group because it's so perfect for the time. Acapella has always been a thing, but with 2009's The Sting Off and Glee's success after starting in 2010, acapella was huge at this time. And it's just so adorable that Lauren was in an acapella group. On top of excelling in these extracurriculars and meeting her amazing group of friends, Wayland High School is also where Lauren met her first serious boyfriend, Nathaniel Fujita. She met him as a freshman during the 2007-2008 school year. By spring of 2008, Lauren and Nathaniel started dating officially. The relationship was very much small-town USA at its finest. He was quiet and funny to Lauren's bright and big presence. Lauren would watch Nathaniel at his football games, where he played as a wide receiver, and she would cheer him on at his track meets. Nathaniel, in turn, would support Lauren at her a cappella performances. Nathaniel's uncle, George, joins 48 Hours and explains that Lauren became a part of their family. Quote, she was a big part of Nathaniel's life. She was lovely. She was great, end quote. When Lauren's mom was asked about the relationship, she said, quote, the first two years, it was fine. And her friend, Chloe, says, quote, they seem like the ideal couple, end quote. The pair went on to date for three years until Lauren finally wanted to call it off around April of 2011. During the third year that they'd started dating, they began fighting more, and they were more on this loop of breaking up and getting back together. Finally, more towards Lauren's 18th birthday, April 1st, 2011, she broke up with him for good. According to 48 Hours, they list that it was actually on her birthday. Quotes from Metro West Daily have her friend Hannah stating that the pair broke up in May, though, so it's not exactly clear when, but they broke up in spring 2011 for sure. You know me, I like to make it clear when the resources aren't totally clear or in agreement. Either way, though, Lauren didn't take this decision of breaking up with Nathaniel very lightly. She spoke about it a lot with her friends. The group of girls mentions that they even had a Facebook chat thread with Lauren that included a list of reasons why she should break up with Nathaniel. According to Chloe, quote, friends don't like him, mean to his mom. Aggressive were among the items listed, and she further explained that he was pretty aggressive when he was drunk. Hannah joins this part of the conversation and recalls, quote, my mom doesn't like him, end quote, was also on the list. I want to make sure to note here that Lauren's mom doesn't mention anything about not liking Nathaniel while they were together, but to a teenager, perhaps her mom expressing worry in the end of the relationship as they were in their ups and downs, that maybe that got filtered to the teenage brain that she didn't like him. Or of course, there could have been private conversations her mom had with Lauren that of course she didn't share or private thoughts and feelings she had at the time about Nathaniel that she chose not to share in an interview and that's her right. Lauren's dad joined the conversation about this breakup and says, quote, she felt some relief, like life was somehow opening up along with college. At this time, Nathaniel was recruited to play football for Trinity College, and Lauren was planning to attend Elon University in North Carolina to study business. Studying business was actually in prep for Lauren to possibly fulfill a dream of
1: getting involved in the fashion industry. Lauren's dad says he felt like she was relieved at the breakup, which makes me wonder, was it amicable, mutual? How did Nathaniel take it? Unfortunately, Nathaniel took it pretty hard. Rightfully so. They were each other's
2: first loves. His uncle says, quote, he was sad about it, felt a sense of loss, end quote. Nathaniel became withdrawn and wasn't expressing much excitement as he was getting ready to get set and play football at Trinity College. This was a dream of his for a long time, according to 48 Hours, so his lack of animation and enthusiasm was pretty concerning to his family. He just, quote, wasn't the same kid, end quote, according to his uncle. He had gone from a kid who was always on the move, always working out, to a kid who was basically always at home, lying on the couch, looking miserable, end quote. According to reporters for 48 hours, Nathaniel began drinking heavily and smoking weed
1: daily. And as a reminder for our international listeners, Nathaniel's underage in the U.S. for drinking. And on top of that, weed wasn't legal in Massachusetts at the time.
2: This really wasn't the best situation for Nathaniel at all. His family was really worried and his mom was actually so worried that she reached out to Lauren. She showed up randomly one day in June to Lauren's work and she asked Lauren if she could please reach out to Nathaniel just as a friend, somebody who cared about him. I should also mention that Nathaniel's mom did take him to see a psychiatrist as well. To that psychiatrist, Nathaniel reported his mood as a one out of 10. He was subsequently diagnosed with major clinical depression. He was offered treatment of medication and encouraged to continue therapy. That's what was suggested to him, but he refused. Days turned into months since Lauren's breakup with Nathaniel, and June 5th was graduation day for Lauren and her peers in Wayland High School's class of 2011. The night before the graduation ceremony, June 4th, Lauren and her friends threw a huge party to celebrate and kick off the graduation festivities. 150 of Lauren's fellow graduates came and enjoyed the night beneath the party tent. There were 227 enrolled seniors in the class of 2011, so this is a pretty large portion of the senior class. And yes, Nathaniel was one of those 150 peers that was there that night. Lauren's friends described that while at the party, Nate was trying to talk to her, but Lauren was not having it. She was trying to keep her distance. Hannah recalls seeing Lauren telling Nate to... Get away from her. Leave her alone. And Lauren was using the same body language that you would imagine as well, sort of pushing him away, kind of throwing her arms down. Lauren's mom remembers of this graduation party, quote, she came to me crying and said, quote, he will not leave me alone. He's harassing me. He doesn't want me to dance with anybody. Nate ends up getting frustrated, aggressive, angry, all of those emotions and ends up punching one of the poles that was holding the party tent up. That's an immediate red flag for me. That's not even the end of this scene, if you will. The force from Nathaniel, the star wide receiver's punch, basically caused the tent to collapse. About 100 of the partygoers had to rush in order to hold the tent up so that it wouldn't fully collapse, which obviously wouldn't have ended well. It was a whole big thing and Nathaniel ended up being asked to leave. In order to leave, he had to get picked up and that's what happens. Lauren's dad remembers thinking that Nathaniel must have been feeling like the world was against him at this time. Metro West Daily News reported that Nathaniel texted Lauren the next day, saying, quote, I hope we can still be friends. What was her response? I need to know. Well, we don't really know what Lauren's response was, but between June 27th and 28th, Lauren did reach out to Nathaniel multiple times to check in on him. Right. I remember his mom asking her if she'd be willing to do that. Lauren isn't here to speak for herself, but I do suppose that his mom asking her is part of the reason why Lauren reached out. This actually takes us to the last day Lauren was ever seen alive, which was July 3rd. She was last seen on surveillance footage from the Natick Mall arriving to her job at shop 344. Again, this is July 3rd at 9.45 a.m. Several hours later at 6.45 p.m., she was seen leaving the Natick Mall. I want to include a little blurb from the Natick Mall Guru's blog about shop 344. They describe it as, quote, a Boston-based women's contemporary apparel company that is dedicated to delivering their customers cutting-edge, fashion-forward merchandise, and that is wallet-friendly and chic. It makes so much sense that Lauren would want to work here as she was super into fashion. But back to our timeline, and this is in big thanks to Patch.com as well as Metro News West, who both have really helpful timelines. Before Lauren even appeared on that surveillance footage on the morning of July 3rd, around sometime between midnight and 1.25 a.m. on the 3rd, Lauren reached out twice to Nathaniel. She was reaching out to see if he wanted to meet up and talk. He didn't respond for a while though. So Lauren arrives to work at 9.45 as I explained and then at 12.36 p.m. while she was at work, he responded. He said that yes, he was up for meeting up. She replied to him, letting him know that she was off work at seven, implying that she could meet up after that. At 3 p.m., Lauren took her break at work, and during this break, she was texting a friend, making plans to meet up later that night. What's interesting is she didn't mention anything about her plans to see Nathaniel beforehand. Her friend Genevieve says, quote, no one knew that she
1: was going that night, end quote. Now we know that Lauren went to work and that the two were texting, but what was Nate up to? Was he waiting for her? What did he do that day?
2: Well, meanwhile, Nathaniel was attending a family barbecue in nearby Framingham. He stayed there from about 3.15 to 5.15. At that point, he returned home on his own, his parents staying behind. For those listeners wondering, Framingham is about 15, 20 minutes away from Wayland. At 6.13, already home, Nathaniel calls Lauren with no answer, which this makes sense because she was still working. So then one minute later, he texts her asking her to go ahead and give him a call when she was off work. At 6.51 p.m., Lauren calls Nathaniel, and she's already clocked out of work. You can actually see this call in the surveillance footage. Lauren can be seen walking down the escalator at 6.51 p.m., phone to her ear. Then, just after 7 p.m., Nathaniel calls his mom, asking when she'll be home, but she doesn't answer. Again, she's still at the barbecue while Nathaniel was at home. Right after attempting to talk to his mom, Nathaniel calls Lauren, telling her to please park down the street so that his mom doesn't see her car if she comes home. She replies at 7.05, quote, here, letting him know that she was there at his house. 40 minutes later, at 7.45, quoting Patch.com directly, who refers to Nathaniel by his last name, Fujita, quote, Fujita is observed by a witness familiar with him and his car driving southbound on Route 27. Fujita is shirtless and driving with the windows down and music playing loudly. The witness said he turned right from Route 27 onto King Street consistent with getting back to his house quickly by avoiding the traffic light on West Plain, end quote. At 8.05, Nathaniel tries his mom on the phone again. This time he called from a landline, but still got no answer. Nathaniel's mom calls back three minutes later. That's when Nathaniel asks if they can watch a movie later that night. He also asks to speak to his cousin, who he asks if they want to hang out later too. This cousin declines because she had other plans. It's around this time that Lauren's 1999 red Jeep Grand Cherokee was found at the Wayland Town Beach parking lot. But Lauren wasn't with the Jeep at the time it was found. It was found during just a typical patrol of the beach area, according to Metro West Daily. The Jeep was still there with
1: no one near it at 10.20 p.m. when the area was patrolled again. Last we know of Lauren on this timeline is just after 7 p.m. when she says she's there at Nathaniel's house. Then after that on the timeline, I didn't catch you mentioning anything else about what she did that night or where she went after Nathaniel's. Can you talk a little more about that?
2: At this time, Lauren's family and friends were wondering the same thing. They became concerned by about 9 p.m. when they hadn't heard from her. Remember, Lauren was trying to meet up with friends later that night. One of her friends actually ends up calling Nathaniel to see if he knows where she is. His cell phone was off though. That didn't hold him back. They decided to call his landline and that he picked up. He said she wasn't there and he doesn't know where she is. At 11 p.m., the police were finally called and Lauren's dad reported her missing. Once that report was made, police met up with friends and family at the Town Beach where her Jeep had been found. By midnight, this is now July 4th, police had already paid Nathaniel two visits. Nathaniel says he doesn't know where Lauren is and he hasn't seen her since 7.45. He says she was at his house, but she never came inside. She stayed in her car and she was only there for about five minutes. And he does express that he was home alone at the time. So does his mom. Because this is the last place she was known to be, police decided to search the outside portion of the Fujita property. There was no sign of Lauren, though. Her friends and family waited with heavy, anxious hearts. Chloe remembers, quote, We just waited and waited and sat in silence, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to think, not knowing what to feel. Then, around 7.30 a.m., July 4th, a cyclist riding along Rotter Row stopped at a clearing near the Sudbury and Wayland Line. The cyclist is reported to have been looking for a bird, a great blue heron. Instead, she noticed human knees and a hand sticking out of the marshy water about 30 feet off the roadway of Water Row. It was Lauren. There was a bungee cord tangled around her hair. The medical examiner would later find that she died, quote, as a result of the combination of the strangling and the incised wounds to her neck. The cyclist called 911 immediately. Massachusetts State Investigator Tony DiLucia arrived to the scene and recalls, quote, I pulled back the dress from her throat. I saw a severe wound to her neck, end quote. Lauren's mom remembers of when they told her they had found Lauren's
1: body. She started, quote, bellowing, don't let it be Nate, don't let it be Nate. To me, this shows the worry her mom had about the state of Lauren and Nathaniel's relationship, but it may also be the love she had for her daughter's boyfriend of three years. she had invited them in as a part of their family. She had watched him grow alongside her own daughter during their high school years. It's almost like an additional piece to her heartbreak, the loss of her only daughter to murder, and the fact that it could have been Nate. Now I need to know what Lauren's friends were thinking about this
2: all of that, and in regards to her friends, they weren't thinking Nathaniel would have been involved either. Knowing that Nathaniel was being looked at and questioned, friend Chloe explains how she was feeling at the time, which was, Nathaniel wouldn't do something like this. Quote, Nate would never do something like this to Lauren. That's absurd. Of course, again, this is a quote of how Chloe felt at that exact time. Police, however, weren't so sure if Nathaniel had something to do with this or not. They returned to his home sometime between 6.30 a.m. and 7 a.m. When asked for his phone so they can check timestamps of his communication with Lauren, Nathaniel became evasive, and he said that he didn't have his phone. Police ended up leaving after that, but they returned later that morning. This time, Nathaniel's dad answers the door, and he lets them know that Nathaniel and his mom had left around 8.30 that morning to go shopping. By 6.30 p.m. that day of July 4th, Nathaniel and his mom had arrived at the relative's house again in Framingham. Meanwhile, throughout that day from 8.30 to 6 p.m., Nathaniel's dad wasn't really able to get a hold of them, and he didn't really know what was going on and couldn't really express that to police. During this time of not being able to get a hold of Nathaniel and his mom, his dad did cooperate and go down to the police station to answer questions. Police also issued an APB for Nathaniel's Honda. Police had noticed in their cursory searches of their property that there was a suspicious stain in the garage. This led to them obtaining a search warrant and returning later the evening of July 4th.
1: Let me guess, they started in the garage.
2: You know it. That's exactly where they started in their search. And guess what? That suspicious stain in the garage? It tested positive for blood. They found more blood evidence in the garage too. This included finding blood on the door handle. They also found bungee cords like the one found tangled in Lauren's hair. What about the house? Did they find anything in there? They did. In the basement, they found a gym bag that had a pair of soaking, wet, muddy Nike sneakers in it. Remember, Thorne was found in a marshy area, so that was definitely suspicious. Then, even more incriminating evidence was found. In an attic crawl space that was accessible from Nathan's blue bedroom, they found another pair of Nike sneakers. This pair had blood all over them. They also found bloody clothing. Investigators knew at that point they were going to arrest Nathaniel for Lawrence murder, and on July 5th at 1.45 a.m., he was arrested and held without bail. When Nathaniel's uncle speaks of his arrest and finding out that Nathaniel very likely did this, given the evidence, he says, quote, It was incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. It was like an alternate reality. He shakes his head during this quote as he describes this painful moment for his family. The next painful moment for all involved was the trial that started on February thirteenth, two 2013. Nathaniel had pleaded not guilty to his first-degree murder charge. That didn't change the facts, though, that tests came back and proved that it was Lauren's blood in the Fujita's home. This did, of course, solidify the investigator's theory that Nathaniel murdered Lauren in the garage while home alone with her on July third. They hold that he then drove her red Jeep Grand Cherokee to the Town Beach parking lot left it there, dumping her keys in a storm drain, and then ran a quarter mile back home. Once home, investigators hold that he put Lauren in his car and drove five miles to the marshy area off Water Row where she was found. As he drove home, that's when he was seen by that witness driving without his shirt with the loud music. As investigator Di Lucia describes Nathaniel at this time, like a, quote, man on a mission, deliberate, purposeful. Once home, Nathaniel cleaned up, and hid the evidence they found in the crawl space. All of this took less than an hour. In less than 30 minutes, Lauren's life was taken from her, her parents' only daughter, murdered, her body left in a marsh. The murder scene cleaned up and the evidence hidden in that crawl space. Less than 60 seconds. The prosecution uses the fact that Nate hid the bloody clothes and, of course, the fact that it was Lauren's blood in the home. The defense... They had a forensic psychiatrist testify that Nathaniel, quote, suffered from a major depressive episode leading up to the murder, followed by a brief psychotic episode and cognitive disorder from football injuries, end quote. The defense attorney literally argued in closing statements that Nathaniel wasn't responsible for his actions because of this, according to ABC News. Lauren's friend Hannah says that during the trial, Nathaniel, quote, didn't look like any Nate I'd ever known. On March 6, 2013, it was up to the jury. Time for the men and women in the box to start deliberations. On March 7th, the jury found Nathaniel guilty. After the verdict was read, Lauren's dad stunned the courtroom as he walked over to Nathaniel's parents and embraced them, showing support and, quote, sharing grief and wishing them comfort in the ongoing horror that they face, end quote. Later that same afternoon, Nathaniel was sentenced to life in prison without parole. CBS News reported that Nathaniel showed no emotion as the victim impact statements and sentence were read. In her victim impact statement, Lauren's mom said she didn't know, quote, how she will fully live again without her daughter. And quote. Never again will I be called mom. I miss her voice desperately. According to CBS News, in his victim impact statement, Lauren's dad suggests Nathaniel use what skills he has to help others while spending the rest of his life in prison and that that would be a, quote, notable gift of atonement in Lauren's memory. I want to end with another quote from Lauren's mom. Quote, I want my girl's story to help others though, and that's why I've helped set up the Lauren Dunn Astley Memorial Fund to promote healthy teen relationships. I still miss my precious daughter every minute of every day. The Lauren Dunn-Aston Memorial Fund's mission is to, quote, promote dynamic educational programs, particularly those in the areas of the development of healthy team relationships, the arts, and community service, end quote. If you'd like to donate in Lauren's honor, please click the link in our show notes. And now we'll leave this episode with Lauren and her high school a cappella group, The Muses, singing Breathless by The course.
0: Go on, go on, leave me breathless. Go on, go on, leave me breathless. with you is standing still i'm waiting for you only the slightest touch and i feel weak i cannot lie from you i cannot hide But